are you? I'm good. I'm good. How? Oh, did you ever have any side effects from the shot? No, I didn't. Really? No. I had a very bad headache and I was really tired two days after, but that may have been because the night before I drank an entire bottle of wine. That doesn't sound right. I think it's probably the shot. <laughs> I used to be able to do that. Like a bottle of wine was enough to get me drunk and not get me a headache. And uh, then I turned 34. Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I was never a wine drinker. I used to buy. I would think I just bought like really cheap champagne or something. I forget why I made that the thing. I think it's because I could literally buy it in like a supermarket, like really cheap. I've never liked wine until I tried something called a late bottle vintage, which is a type of port. It's basically dessert. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really rich and sweet, and it just tastes like candy. I've never... Everyone's like, oh, you just haven't found the right. No, I it's I haven't. No. See, that's OK. I might buy you one then because that same thing happened to me. I played Athos in the Three Musketeers. And right. he's a guy who's such a connoisseur of wine and he gets right. trapped in a wine cellar and just drinks right. all the wine or whatever. It was my thesis in college. Right. And I tried. I was working on it for over a year. I drank so much fucking wine. And every time I would talk to wine people and they'd be like, oh, you haven't tried the right one. Here's the right one. Here's the right one. And I'd try it and I'd be like, nasty. Still tastes like shit. And then one day I was with a friend of ours. We were in this uh, dessert place in Brooklyn. And it was like I got the same thing I always get. And they were like, would you like to try the wine that pairs with this? And I was like, fuck it. Sure. It's like the only drink. They only have wine here. So I'll just get the one that goes with this. And I tried it. and It was delicious. And I asked them what it was. And it's the only wine I've ever had since then. Wow. That's amazing. It's also this is the game that I usually play with people to get them to give me free booze. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've never liked whiskey. No, I've never, I, I can't, I've never, it's just not my taste. No, you've never, you've never, you just haven't tried the right, no. Really, Jack Daniels, you've never had it? No, I've never tried it. I've never, no, I, no, it's just not, it's just not for me. It's just, I guess I'm just not destined, I'm just destined not to have it. No, 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 I'll buy you a free bottle. Well, okay, I guess I'll give it one more shot. I like to think that it's like, really, you've never had Jack Daniels? No, I've never tried, I've tried all the other ones. If you think it's good, I'll give it a try i've never heard of it it's is it it's french it's jacques daniel is that it i just i just can't find you know i've tried i just can't find an absinthe that is for me i just can't try it i just i guess it's just not in the cards for me to have absinthe that's yeah, it i just that's can't I find can. any yeah. ecstasy that i've liked i just can't yeah i just can't find all the heroin i've ever tried just not, i ever tell you about that i was just telling melinda about this i ever tell you about the guy i went to i'm sure i've talked about this on the but the guy who offered me cocaine No, I don't know this story. Okay, my ex-girlfriend and I, when we were dating, we went, a friend of ours, this guy who was like, uh, hey, a friend of mine's having this like show. He's a comedian. Do you want to come along? And we were like, oh, yeah, sure. It'll be fun. So we get to this thing. There's like a bouncer. And we're and we're let in very easily, but there's like a guy standing guard. Right. Where is this at? This is in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Oh wow. Right. No residencies anywhere. No. Very few establishments. There's like an auto shop. It's in the middle of the night. Yeah. This is like the most Brooklyn fucking story I've ever had. So we get there. It's in a warehouse. Of course it like is. Like an actual honest to God warehouse. This guy has rented a warehouse. He's wearing a bathrobe and just chatting to people in the in the place and he's a friend of our friend so we get there it turns out first of all it's not a normal stand-up thing he's having like a celebration of his life and in this warehouse he has made he's turned it into like 
an exhibit of his life. I already hate this man. So there are like pedestals with important pieces of his life on them, including like the first microphone he ever did stand up with. And there's like a little plaque attached to each of them that like says what it is. And then at the very end, so he he lets people walk around while he chats with them and like look at his life. There's like pages of the first jokes he ever wrote in high school and shit like that. He has his friends warm up the audience as like comedy people and then he goes up and does stand up and uh, everybody applauds and then at the end he's like hey everyone uh, I don't want to bring all this shit home so anyone can take whatever they want and it was like all this stuff that was important to him about his life and I grabbed a Steve Martin book that I think I've showed you before I grabbed two books one called The War of Art and one by Steve Martin Maybe Born Standing Up or something like that. Is it his autobiography? I think it might be. It's Born Standing Up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when we first got there, we go through this bouncer and our friend, my friend Robert, is like, oh, hey, you guys made it. Hey, uh, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. This guy's name is Steven. We all work together at the same restaurant. He's the cook at that restaurant. Um, nice to meet you. This is my friend Andrew. Uh, you guys hang out for a minute. I'll be right back. And he runs off. And Steven goes... Hey, I'm actually, you know, I'm working the bar here. Do you guys want a drink? And we were like, oh, no, we're okay, actually. And he's like, okay, you know, fine. Uh, would you guys like anything to eat? We can, you know, I can, we've got some like snacks and like peanuts and stuff behind the bar. And we were like, no, we just ate, actually, we're good. And he's like, okay, okay. Do you want any cocaine? <laughs> I've got some cocaine you guys could have. And we were like, nah, nah, man, we're good. We're fine. Thank you. And he's like, oh, I just loved how it was like, I've always said it like, you know, he's like, hey, can I get you guys something to drink? We've got some orange juice. I've got tap water, cocaine. We've got, you know, some milk in the fridge, too. It's just like so like, I guess it's in the middle of nowhere, Brooklyn at like two in the morning or whatever. Here's the thing. I've never been offered cocaine. Not once. Would you like some? I would love. It's not that I want some. I just want to be offered. Like, I found out. That was me offering it to you. Yes. But you don't actually have some. Oh, man, you do. How long have you had some? Joke's on you. It's pocket sand. Ah, motherfucker. I remember I found out that when I was in college, we would go to certain parties. I wasn't a big college goer. Yeah, I wasn't a big college goer. (laughs) I just went to the one. As my education can hint towards you. I can't even form a sentence. That's how much I didn't go to college. I wasn't a big party goer in college, but occasionally I'd go to to certain parties. And I remember there were one or two in particular that I went to. And later on, I found out that like some of the people there had cocaine and were doing cocaine during the party. And I just remember being horribly insulted. I was like, why wouldn't... I don't know that I would do it or not do it, but why not ask? Why? What is it about me that isn't good enough for cocaine? Chris, cocaine is like Pokemon cards. Hold on, wait. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask to have someone else weigh in. Sarah, what about me isn't good enough for cocaine? Do you want to say hi to America? What? A, why is that question exhaust you? Of all the things I say to you during a day, that one is the thing that's the most exhausting. What about me says, don't give this guy cocaine. Other than all of him. Look at me. Do you think I've been offered cocaine? Yes. I've been offered cocaine. I 100% think that you've been offered cocaine. You are sadly mistaken, sir. Sir, if you were offered cocaine, would you then offer me some of said cocaine? First of all, hail to know I would not take cocaine. 
and I would never offer it to anybody We're else. We're not talking about taking it. Yeah, we. Don't, I didn't say you would have to take it. I'm just saying... <laughs> If you if you, you were offered, would you also say it and then give it to somebody and then else? give it to me? Would or at least if you would if you were offered, would you then pass? Would you be like no? It's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants, but it's cocaine. No, I'm okay, but maybe my husband would like some. First of all, that shit is expensive. First yes, cocaine is expensive. What am I not good enough for expensive things? How is this episode turned into your stand-up routine? Is that what this is? Can I plead the fifth and just walk out, please? I mean, yeah, there's nothing stopping you. All right, fine. Cocaine's expensive, and so I'm not good enough for it. What about crack? That's cheap. So am I. Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and do one big old line. My name is Chris Creeple. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. I forgot we hadn't started the show yet. I'm pretty sure we hadn't started the show. Have we started? The- did I, I do I it twice? I don't think I did it twice. I don't know. Hold on a second. <sighs> Okay, let's get into this, because we've been wasting time. Oh, man, I'm really high on this. Andrew, Falcon and the Winter Winter Soldier. Let me try that again. (laughs) Give time for editing. Andrew, (laughs) Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, it's started, it's begun, it's out amongst the world. It's, let's see, we're in, when we're recording this now, we're four episodes in. By the time this comes out, we will be six episodes in. Yeah, it'll be done, right? No, isn't it eight episodes? Is it six episodes? I don't episodes? know, man. I don't know. What? We're doing the show proper now. We're like in it. We got a groove going. Now she's looking at me. She's giving me, she's giving me looks, Andrew. She's giving me looks. I don't deserve this. I'm a professional. Six episodes, man. The show's going to be done. I love you. I like your haircut. Thank you. She got a haircut. Shut up, Andrew. So. (laughs) What's happening? Uh, I don't know. What are we doing? Who are you? Where's my horse? So, yeah, by the time this comes out, it'll be done. Don't. Don't. (laughs) Just. We. I can't. I can't. I can't. What today? Um, (laughs) By the time it comes out, it'll be finished. Wait, by the time this comes out, it'll be finished. When did you lose track of your life? Uh, somewhere around the mid-90s. So let's get into this, all right? We can, uh, let's talk about some, I, I have some thoughts on this. You say you have lots of thoughts on this. Isaiah Bradley. Right? I love that inclusion. Again, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little sad it looks like they're not going to go back to him, probably. Or at least give him some more, actually something to do. I do like the one thing, if the, if anything really good is coming out of the show, it's putting him into the universe and allowing that the possibility to come back. Can we get a prequel show of him? I would love that. I would think that would be great. Kind of like you could do it, and this is not me making some sort of racist pun, but do like a Black Ops. Very good. Very good. Very good. Prequel. I honestly did not mean <laughs> no, for that to be like that. No, take credit for that. Take credit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Racist. Thank you. Because <laughs> I think the one thing that they've, it seems like they've slightly altered it that, and maybe I'm interpreting that scene incorrectly, but in the comics, Isaiah Bradley was actually 
given the serum before Steve Rogers. Is that right? Yeah, it was tested on. In this, it seems like that's not the case. It seems like it was after. Yeah, they struck gold and then they were trying to do it again. They were trying to duplicate and it was they were trying to duplicate with Isaiah Bradley, which, like you said, I would love to see like a prequel series where it's like a black ops where it's like they didn't get it quite right but they got this tool now they got this thing so they got to use it and so yeah you know they're like he's like oh i could be another captain america and they're like no no yeah we already had one of those and he was white he had blonde hair blue eyes you know it's very aryan it could be one of those series where it's about, I don't want to say the subtle race, racism that happened, but the ways that they go, yeah, maybe the country's not ready for, a, you know, and it's just that type of thing and him having to deal with that. But then also going out and doing missions for these people are, who are telling him that he's not good enough. That basically, he's being Captain America, but without the title. But without the title and the acclaim and the fame. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be fantastic. And like I said, if nothing else comes of this series, the fact that they've introduced that character into the universe is awesome. Absolutely awesome. That actually leads me to my next point. I have a theory, and I might be wrong because it doesn't seem like it's up Marvel's alley to do this, but uh, I think Carly Morgenthau might have originally been intended to become Miss America in the Young Avengers. Really? Marvel is already setting up the Young Avengers. We know that. Like, they haven't officially announced it, but, like, she's basically the only one left. Because we've got Speed and Wiccan, who were both introduced in WandaVision. They're Wanda's kids. Kate Bishop, who's Hawkeye, right? She's got a show coming up. And Elijah Bradley, who's Patriot. He is Isaiah Bradley's grandson. And even outside of that, like you can pull in characters like Miss Marvel and Ironheart, who they're also setting up shows for because they they could be in the Young Avengers as well. The only important member who hasn't been introduced yet or we don't know anything about is Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel is technically, I don't know if she's technically Hispanic because she comes from like another dimension and she basically, her, her dimension is like super in trouble and she just like runs away and she makes her way to Earth 616 where she's super strong and I think maybe can fly. It's a very like Kal-El sort of thing where she's like, oh, I'm like, everyone is like this where I come from, but like here I could actually do some good. And uh, she becomes Miss Marvel. She's got like long, curly, dark hair. She's got like darker skin. And I wondered if they were trying to make Carly Morgenthau a more sympathetic character because she would take over the Miss America mantle. You mean Miss Marvel? No, Miss America. Did I say it wrong? You were saying Miss Marvel before. Because they have a Miss Marvel show. They have a Miss Marvel show coming out. Miss America is who I meant. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I have never heard of this character, of this Miss America. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually was in a show in a uh, like a stage production. I've, I've been doing it a lot lately. This Shakespeare one that I think we've talked about on the show before. And the woman who plays the lead is a darker skinned woman with who's thin with like long, curly, dark hair. And she when we first met, I was like, anybody like any comic book stuff? You know, because that's my way in. And she was like, as soon as Marvel casts like is is making a movie about this character i need the notification like she was like i want that character i want it i believe her aka her alias is um is america chavez Chavez. yeah okay i have seen images of this person okay she and i think kate bishop are like super besties she's pretty important like you couldn't do a young of i don't think you could do a young avengers without her she's it'd be like doing 
Avengers without Captain America. You know, it doesn't really work. Right, right, right. So over a year ago, before the country, the world went into lockdown, when the pandemic was just an epidemic, a, a, a pretty big thing happening in China, but it hadn't really gone anywhere. Murphy's multiverse reported the Falcon and the Winter Soldier went through heavy rewrites to eliminate a subplot regarding a pandemic. This would make Carly's character a lot more sympathetic. In one of the first episodes, they're stealing vaccinations. The idea was that, like, they were like, hey, you know what would be a cool idea if all these people disappeared and then a pandemic started to occur. And then all of a sudden, all these people just appeared back in the blip and their immune systems were five years weaker. Oh. So they would be a lot more at risk. Then what you've got is the world created enough vaccines for the world. Right. Then the population doubled overnight. And now there's not enough vaccines. So where do they go? The U.S. and Europe, because that's where they would go. Right. Because it goes to the more privileged and richer countries. They have to be, quote, prioritized. That would explain why you see Carly and the Flag Smasher stealing vaccines in like the first or second episode. Yeah. It also explains why Danya Madani, the woman who took all of them in dies in the last episode and uh there is one thing that says what she has and it's an adr off screen right and it's tuberculosis so there's a theory that like a ton of scenes were cut there were also a lot of reshoots done so like the falcon and winter soldier was supposed to be the first one it was supposed to come out before wandavision and i got pushed back for reshoots and there's reason to believe that that's the reason why they were cutting out all the stuff about a pandemic and replacing it with who knows what else maybe stuff with the power broker with the flag smashers or with um whatever that what's that thing called the, C- the cbr no it's the g r yeah whatever that thing is grc so i've got a bunch of stuff here about that new rock stars theorized that the reason that they could have wanted to cut this, because it actually might be an interesting thing, and Disney doesn't shy away from things that are kind of touchy subjects, usually. Mm -hmm. But one idea is that it could have been a bioweapon created by the power broker who lives in Madripoor, which is in Asia. Right. So if the storyline is that a pandemic was created by scientists in Asia. Asia. That's an issue, one, because it contributes to this like misinformation and racism and stuff. And additionally, because they're trying to... Another article just came out recently that Disney is trying really hard to grab more consumers in Asia. Yes. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to villainize them. I had heard the same the same rumor as you as far as them taking out a whole plot line to do with a pandemic, which, you know, listen, that makes sense as far as why you wouldn't want to do it. I think there if this were to come out, you know, a year from now, hypothetically speaking, we get through the pandemic in 2021 and then this came out in 2022 i think there's a way to shape the storyline a little differently of because i like i think that's a that's a very interesting point of you know the people who were in the blip their immune system is now five years behind you know even if it was just flu shots of being five years behind that's you know you're you're putting something into your body that is five years ahead of what you can handle. I think that's an interesting storyline. I think you could bend it different, slightly differently where it's like everybody in the world is fine except for the blip people. You know what I mean? Like they don't need the people who have been here for five years don't need vaccines because their body is just naturally adapted. It's just the people that were in the blip. But then it's a like you said, it's a hierarchy of like who gets those. And that then becomes less a story of 
disease and more of a story of like the wealthy versus the poor. Right. And you also get into a situation where it's been five years since the snap. So the world has adapted its resources to having half the people. So even though you have twice as many people to vaccinate, you don't have twice as many resources. You just have the people employed who have been there for the past few years. Right. Yeah. And I, and that's partially I mean, I, I think the reason that they can take out a storyline like a pandemic is actually because mainly the crux of the story is the idea of, you know, the haves and the have nots and the fact that um it's not about necessarily a disease or a vaccine or anything like that. It's just the idea of we disappeared for five years. We showed back up again. Everybody had already moved on. You have nowhere to put us. And who gets left behind? You know, some people can walk right back into their lives, but a lot of others can't. I kind of like the idea that now two shows in a row and I'm just realizing this as I'm talking about it, but two shows in a row, they are now really dealing with the real effects of what the blip would be. You know, we kind of just got at the end of um, Endgame, everybody came back and it was great because everybody was back. Even Spider-Man Far From Home was like, it was some funny, quirky weirdness to the idea of... uh, You know, some people age five years and some people look exactly the same. But at the same time, they never dealt with the fact that like that school now has double the students that it is allocated for. I like the idea that now they're going, okay, let's deal with the blip in a really real way. And what does that look like on a global scale? It would also make Carly Morgenthau's storyline a lot more sympathetic. It does. Yeah. If she is stealing vaccines from the rich and giving them to the poor, it makes her a lot easier to relate to. It also would explain why Crapton America is being sent, because if you're stealing vaccines from the United States, they're going to fucking pop you in the face for it. I will say, I don't find her that unsympathetic already like I get her motivation and the idea that your villain is the hero of their own story I get why she does what she does the same way that Sam in the one episode is going I get why you're doing this I'm on your side I just don't like I just disagree with the way you do it let's talk about crap in America what are we what are we what are your what are your opinions on this guy nailing it like the actor's great he's crushing it yeah he's fantastic I, yeah. I don't know him from anything Every time I see him without the mask, I think he looks like Casey Neistat. Well, he's Kurt Russell's son. He's the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Oh. He's Kate Hudson's half-brother. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why is everyone in Hollywood related to everyone? I know, right? He is... He's. There is something else he's in that I, it's... I'm escaping me now. And there's no way to check. So <laughs> I, I can't... He's great, man. I believe that he is trying his best... And I just look at him and I'm like, why are you here? Like he got the crap kicked out of him by those Wakandan soldiers. Yeah, that was such a good scene. Oh, man, it was so great. She's just they're just wailing on him every day. Yeah. He just cannot get a leg up. Yeah. And he's just like, they weren't even super soldiers. Like yeah. you just see like he's just crushed 
just absolutely crushed. They kind of are super soldiers. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but I just love like he's just got shit beat out of him on that one. I, he, that guy is nailing this character. Um, and you're just watching this guy like you're waiting for this guy to just pop off. And then he finally does. And you're like, holy Jesus. Do we think that he I mean, everyone knows by now when this comes out. But do you think that they're going to take the shield away from him and give it to Sam? I think they're stealing the shield away from him. Yeah. But like, what do you think? Like, this is all on social media now. Right. Steve Rogers killed a lot of people. He really did. He killed a ton of people. Yeah. But he did it all star spangled and shiny. So it's different. (laughs) And off camera. And off camera. I like what they've done with Zemo. I will say they did something with Zemo that I didn't think they were going to do, which was take him out of his jail cell. When they first introduced him, what I thought was going to happen, and this could have been an interesting thing to do, and maybe this is something to kind of put in the back pocket for something else. I thought this show was going to be more of a Silence of the Lambs structure, where Zemo is in the is the Hannibal Lecter, and he's guiding them right, yeah. throughout, and then at the end he breaks out and is like you know you could set that up for season two or then like the last couple episodes i also thought this was more eight nine episodes than it than it is but but i i like that they've given him his character a little more room to breathe they made him a baron like he is in the comics they made him rich which really does kind of change his dynamic a lot from what he was before. Yeah, I don't feel as sympathetic. I don't him. either. I, at first, I, when I was watching him on his plane with his little butler and everything, I was like, <laughs> no, I don't really. Like, now Civil War has less of an impact on me because now you're kind of just a douche. Like, you know, I'm I'm sorry you lost your son and your your wife and everything, and that's tragic. But also, you're freaking rich. Yeah. Like, you're really rich. So I don't He's know like what's... He's like blowing his nose into thousand dollar bills. Right. And I'm like, what the... That's, that's not... that. It's tragic, but not, you know... You had literally probably another villa to go home to anytime you want it. So it's okay. But that being said, I do like, he's a little more charismatic. He's a little more fun. It's given, it's, uh, I forget what the actor's name. Daniel Brule. Thank you. I was like, it's Daniel something. Yeah. He's great. He's great. And it's given him a little more room to breathe and like kind of show off a little bit, which is really, really cool. Any other thoughts? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? I really like it. Coming off of WandaVision, which I really enjoyed, but like coming off of it and watching now more of a like straight up, basically it felt like a Marvel movie. I was like, oh, this is refreshing Yeah, that, to just kind of watch a, 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 like a straight spy thriller, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it has some pacing issues, but I think that might be if they did all these like reshoots and stuff, that might be why. Right. Because they're having to break up a storyline. Yeah. We also uh, like it's a little hard to come from WandaVision, which is such a like psychedelic acid trip. Right. Where like Melinda and I every week were like, we got to watch the show. We got to watch it. We got to see what happens, especially after they showed fucking Evan Peters. Right. We were like all in every week. Now we're like, oh, it's Sunday. We should watch sad Captain America boys. Well, here's the thing. It's 
it's one of those things where uh, I think WandaVision was so distinct. I mean, first of all, it was very episodic when it started out with the different genres and things like that. So the pacing definitely wouldn't have an issue because it was so insular every single episode up until pretty much the end. But also WandaVision was much broader. And I don't mean that in a comedic sense, but like they could swing for the fences because it's dealing with magic and science fiction and things like that. And so you're not having to like really hone in on the details. This is more closer to like the and even less than Civil War. This is closer to Winter Soldier. Again, Winter Soldier was like their Tom Clancy movie. And this is more in that tone. This is like their Jack Ryan type of thriller. And so you got to hone in on the details. And it does feel like an episode gets done and you're like, the plots move forward somehow. But I don't quite know exactly how all the time. Yeah. I think it's a little slow at times. Like Winter Soldier was very high paced. Right. But again, that was a movie where this is going to be a little slower paced anyway, because it's a television show. I guess then maybe it should have been a movie. Maybe. Yeah, no, definitely. Like if there's air. Right. In your story. I know what you're saying. I don't know. It's we think it's fine, but we haven't been like there's nothing compelling us to keep coming back other than it's a Marvel show. Yeah, I think mostly positive about it, but it's hard for me to tell without seeing the ending yet because I don't know like if everything we have seen is like leading to something. And then at the end, I'll be like, oh, my God, I have to rewatch this to see all the clues or whatever. But as of now, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. It's people running around and shooting. Yeah. We talked about how I would want to go back and revisit WandaVision and watch it all the way through now that I know all the little like... That there's no big plot twist. Right. This one actually, more than WandaVision, this is the one I would probably want to sit back and binge now because I think it is more of a... The plot line threads itself through each episode in a much more linear fashion than WandaVision did. You know, like I would want to try and just streamline this as if it were one long movie and just get that arc going and that roller coaster going, because I think I think there is a really good storyline in here. I think because it's broken up week to week and I can't binge it. I think that's what's also giving it that slow pace. I fucking hate that, man. What? That you can't binge it? Just let me shotgun it. I actually like it. I actually do appreciate it now. I really do. I don't want to always shotgun everything all at once with things like this if i'm really enjoying it i actually do want to watch it week to week mandalorian wandavision this there's stuff i actually like the week week. it's six episodes long i'd like to just watch it in two days three episodes one day three episodes the next right i don't know i like it you know i think now i've started to just want to binge anything that is I know is start to finish. Like if I know a whole series is up on, on Netflix or something, I'm like, I'll binge that. I want to go through the whole story arc. If I know it's finished, if it's not, and I'm really enjoying it, I'm like, yeah, give it to me once a week. Like, give me a little something. Cause then I, I go and I'm trying to figure out what I'm, what I want to watch. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. There's an episode. Like I had, I didn't watch this. There's something that, that I can see, but whatever to each his own. Right. <laughs> but you're wrong. But let's move on. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't think there's not too much else I want to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Should we go on to our reading assignment? Let's do it. All right. So for the reading assignment, I always like when we get one of these for the reading assignment. 
you didn't give me anything and I didn't get you anything because we both did an original reading assignment that we were asked to take a look at. And that is Beckoning of Ethereus, the feminist part one. This is an original work. You were the one who got contacted about this. So why don't you kind of introduce this before we start talking about it? Even as an actor... I'm all about the research, as I think you know about me. I dive in and I look up as much as I can about everything that I'm going to talk about or uh, any project I'm working on. I got to know everything about it. I have looked and looked and looked. There is a C.J. Anderson, which is the name of the uh, author of this piece and the illustrator and the editor. I don't think it's the same C.J. Anderson. This person has written like young adult novels, maybe, or something like that. And there are some websites that sort of link them together. I don't think it's the same person. C.J., if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong. So uh, right out of the gate, we put out sort of a, a, a call to action. Hey, if anyone has any things, we did it on Twitter. If anyone has, a, a, you know, any independent comic book creators or whatever want to say hi and have us review their thing, send it on over. And uh, we got a, a tweet reply maybe a week later from a page made for the book. So I uh, immediately was like, yeah, of course, we'd love to check it. They were like, hey, you know, I've got this new thing. I'd love for you guys to read it. So we, uh, I checked it out. It is available for free online. So if you search Beckoning of Ethereus, you can go online. There's a digital version of it that's completely free on, I believe, Blurb is the website. But just search for it on Google. You'll find it. You can also order the book, which is not a whole lot of money. It's like 20 bucks. It comes to you. You get it. It's in your hands. I might recommend the digital version just because I mean if you want to support people it's great you should do that however and uh, this is a note I would give as well the publisher has some issues Uh, Yeah, maybe go with a different publisher in the future for a physical copy or add some margins because those two page spreads are really hard to figure out there's a lot of two page spreads that have text right in the center and there's no margins so a lot of the actual dialogue is in the staple right or in the like the glued part and even if you like crack it all the way open if you're if you're watching on patreon you can see mine is like totally like messed up which is kind of sad right 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 that, like you have to do that in order to read. and i still couldn't see all of it because i'd have to tear the pages out one by one to see them yeah but that's sort of small potatoes i was able to go online and read it all for free anyway anything i missed the plot follows two characters of this is only the first chapters released so far. There's going to be a total of, I think, around 45 chapters. It's broken up into three books, 15 chapters in each book. This one follows Sienna and Mathena, who are two young women having a fight about identity issues in uh, what I can only assume is a uh, an alternate universe where women are the ruling class and uh, men are treated like absolute garbage. <laughs> okay, so as uh, as is usually the case when we're reviewing something that someone has asked us to review that's like an original work that um, someone is like, hey, I've created this. Can you, can you give me th- some thoughts on it? Uh, we're going to be a little more constructive than we normally are if we're re- reviewing something from like a Marvel or a DC or things like that because those guys, the bigger guys, they got paid for this already, so... We're yeah, fine fuck with them. Ter- fuck them. I think two episodes ago, I was like, fuck Marvel. Right. So, um, 
But but anyone who who asks us to do something will treat it a little more constructive because, you know, we want to encourage you to keep going with it. When you're a person and not a corporate entity, we do try to be a little gentler. Well, also, typically, like something like this, I don't know how much money they've actually made on this. So I don't want to, you know, not that money is everything, but like if we tear down like a Brian K. Vaughn, I'm like, well, that guy also made a good chunk of change on this anyway so it's fine he's yeah he'll wipe his tears away with his hundred dollar bills exactly also because i I, what i always want to happen is that i love to have the notes taken and then you go and either continue on with whatever the work is or refine the work and then send it back to us and have us do it again with anything that's changed and kind of keep that going. That I, I would love to have, you know, do this again a second time after a different draft or the next chapter or something like that. But let's get into this because really this for me came down to one central thing and everything else kind of splintered from there. I it was hard for me to get into this. And the reason being is that I don't know who these characters are and why I'm listening, uh, why I'm watching this conversation or reading this conversation and why I should care about them. When it starts off, it kind of jumps right into the argument, right? Uh, There's an argument between these two girls in a bookstore about identity and about feminism and identity as a feminist and you know, is that an independent thought or are you following along? And it's it gets more into depth uh, as it goes along. That being said, at first I was like, oh, I like this. Like we're jumping right into the action. Like we're in the middle of the story when we when we the reader show up. And usually I'm like, cool. I love that because it's a nice forward momentum to kick things off. And then I kept reading. It was like at any moment now we're going to either pull out of this or the scene's going to change or we'll go back in time and we'll figure out like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And it never really gets there. There's a little bit of it close to the end, but it doesn't really explain the inciting incident that is causing this conversation to happen. Like I kept waiting for that to happen. As interesting as I found the intellectual argument that was going on, it was like a pebble in my shoe. Like I just kept going, right, but who are these people? Like, I don't know who they are and why is this important to the storyline? Why? What is this serving? What is our greater storyline? Yeah, I hear that. I kept thinking back to like Marvel's Civil War. Right. Like if we could see these two people as like the heroes in their own story first, I think it would be more interesting to down the road see the events that are separate and exclusive to each of the characters that lead them down two different paths and lead to this like breaking of their relationship and their friendship where like yeah you see tony stark and captain america are both heroes and then eventually down the road they have a breaking point where like they both disagree on something so much that it causes a huge rift between them and i think that's something that you could have done here it does feel a bit like we're sort of entering right in the middle of an arc that's occurring and we don't really see the beginning of the arc and we don't really see the end of the arc either we just get a small piece that's leading straight to a climax of some kind but we don't ever quite get there and we don't ever get a catharsis right yeah i the one bit of info info that you sent over to me was an interview that they that cj had done but they talked about how you know this is just the kickoff of a larger story arc and this is actually a superhero story and these two characters this plays into that and everything the one thing that i noticed that cj said was that they had written the whole story out first, almost like a, a movie screenplay. So it was one long arc. 
And I think that's the other thing that where this feels kind of unfinished in that structuring a movie and structuring a comic are very different things. There's a very specific way. And it's one of the reasons why at first movie producers were so hesitant to hire comic writers to write movies or television is because there is a specific way that you have to write comics and comic writers will talk about this, that you have to know, you have to be very aware of your page layout and it's not just the arc of a story, but also, you know, what is happening when you're flipping the page. So if you notice in a comic, most of the time, if they're switching between plot lines, that happens at the end of a page and then you flip the page and you're in a new storyline and then it leads up to the very last page and the climax, the cliffhanger for the next issue has to happen right on the last page that you time everything out very specifically. This just kind of kept this kind of barreled through. And then no, I, was- I actually sort of disagree with that. I actually kind of like the the layout. There are like times where you go back in time and it's like the next page or whatever. Right. But what I'm saying is that it got to th- it got to the end of this. Right. It got to the end of of part one of chapter one. And it just kind of ended. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Each chapter, each issue needs its own catharsis and arc. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, in conjunction with the idea of we jumped right into the argument, which, again, I like the forward momentum of like getting into it. And you're asking the question of like, who are these people? and Why are they fighting? And what is this all about? And how did this come to be? By the end, I didn't know who these people were. And then I also didn't know, like, well, how does this continue on and why do I want to go on to the next thing? Like, there's no tug for me to go on to chapter two when I don't really know why we were in chapter one. And some of that was it felt like, again, if they have written it out in this movie form, they just took like, all right, well, this section here, I'll just make this chapter one. And you know what I mean? It didn't retool it to be in a different medium. I actually have something here that I wrote that... um the relationship of these characters is made very clear very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so you establish that in the first few pages. And then it does sort of feel like it's a lot of the same the same discussion. One thing I wrote here is that uh, Corridor Crew, which is a YouTube channel that is dedicated to making films, like high-budget professional films. Right. And they just released like a series of classes that you have to pay for of like streaming classes but the first one they released for free on their youtube channel everyone should go check it out i think it's called like mastering any camera or something like that but they mentioned a great rule of thumb for making scenes and if you think about it an issue is kind of like a scene an issue in an overall comic story is like a scene in a movie and one of the things they said was get a stopwatch and Describe the scene, like hit go on the stopwatch and then describe the scene you want to shoot out loud. Describe the chapter and what's going to happen in that chapter. It should take as long to watch the scene as it takes you to explain what's happening in the scene. Yes, that's actually a really good. The scene shouldn't be four minutes long if it takes you 10 10 seconds seconds to explain explain what happens. Yes, that's actually a really good rule of thumb. And in that same way, I think reading a comic should be sort of the same thing. This person is trying to relate to this person X thing. The other person is trying to defend themselves by saying Y thing. And then that's how long it should take you that long to read. 
as long as it takes you to explain. So like a couple pages, probably. And then, yeah, you need you need those characters to go somewhere or see something. You've done a great job of setting up who these characters are, what they believe in. And, and their relationship to each other. Like, I immediately got like, right. OK. I do feel that one of them is a lot more antagonized than the other. I do feel like I'm supposed to feel like one of these characters is blindly following a psychopathic cult. Right. And maybe I I think I'm supposed to feel that way, but it makes me feel like this character is the enemy yeah. in this story and it makes me feel like that person is going to be the enemy for the rest of the story. Another thought I had was setting up a first chapter or first issue like a pilot. Like if you are just releasing your first chapter and then you're going to wait to see the reception and wait to see how people like it, it needs to work like a television pilot which the point of a pilot is to show the characters, show their relationship to each other, set up the story arc so people know what kind of show this is going to be. It sets up the aesthetic, it sets up the feeling, and it gives you an idea of what every chapter is going to look like and what the objectives and the obstacles of every character is. If this is a superhero story, I don't get that from this. And I think it's the, the author said it's going to be sort of a surprise twist, but it, it doesn't feel like that genre in this pilot episode yes and i think and again that's kind of where i'm getting this idea of like if if they had written it out in this long like 200 page movie format and then they just it feels like they just took like all right i'll take pages one through 25 and then that'll be chapter one i actually think a better idea would be to finish the first book like finish the first 15 chapters get them written get them drawn illustrated and and colored and then release them week to week and then you have a whole body of the first third of your story that people can be like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect it would go there, you know, as opposed to releasing this one book and then being like, what do people think about my superhero story? <laughs> right. But here's the thing is like I get the idea of like if you're going to make it a superhero story, but you want it to be that you want that aspect to be a twist. That's fine. But again, going along with your television pilot premise, I still need to know that we're in that world. Like, I need to know if I'm going to invest this much time and their powers aren't going to be... You need to know the genre. Yeah, I need to know the genre that I'm working in. I don't want to think that this is just a, uh, a story about two normal teen girls who are trying to make their way in the world and then all of a sudden one can, you know, lift cars with their mind. And I'm like, well, I, this is not, I don't want that. I could have get that anywhere. The other thing I would say is I think maybe that would break up kind of the monotony of the conversation that's going on is that the nice thing about a comic is that you have, you know, you don't have a budget to deal with. You can move the characters anywhere you want. They start the conversation in a bookstore. They go through several different points in the arguments, point, counterpoint about this aspect, that aspect. But it's all done in the bookstore. And after a while, and, and you'll find this in movies and you'll find this in theater a lot. And I know that, that you know, we have had conversations about this with other works. And it's the idea of like, well, why are you still standing there? You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're getting this upset, you, you, no one's forcing you to stay. So why are you still standing there? And that doesn't mean that the conversation ends. What's nice about a comic is like one person can leave the bookstore and the other person walks out with them and you use that change of scenery to now bring up a separate point. It just breaks up the flow of it uh, in a way that makes it 
gives it a little left turn and a little right turn. So it feels like there's forward movement, that there's forward momentum, that we're not just listening to droning on of, well, there's this, but this, and then this, but this. And it's like a tennis match after a while. Because this is definitely, it's an interesting argument. It's a diff, It's an interesting point, counterpoint that's going on. This would be an interesting debate to listen to. If all of this dialogue was happening while they were fighting villains, I think that would be pretty interesting, right? It doesn't fix all the problems like the story arc issues, but, and then you make them like have this discussion while they're in the middle of being superheroes would be kind of interesting. Well, that's the thing is that what I was going to say is the argument that's being done in this book, it's an interesting argument. If I were to watch this on the news with between two talking heads, I go, that was a really interesting segment. The thing is that what you're missing is the storytelling element. A lot of that, you know, the interview that I've read in the blurb that I've read, it's very clear that the inspiration for this was this conversation that happens. That is what intrigued you. That is very clear. You've accomplished that. Now you have to do it in a narrative fashion. And that is the thing that is kind of lacking is that narrative idea, uh, that narrative fashion. Yeah. It also, it does feel like, I don't know if this is true, right? but it does feel at times like the author is sort of working through something by mm-hmm. writing this as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Like it does feel at times like, and again, that's not to say that that's what it is, but that's sort of the feeling that comes off that it's like, yee, wow, someone really had a conversation with a friend and hated it. And now they're, they're expressing it through their art, right? which might be the case. And it might not, but that is uh, something that like, you you know, we're both theater people, Chris and I, and we know a lot about like when something takes, even if it's good, if something takes the audience out of the story, it's one of the reasons why you never compliment lighting people or sound people. It's actually considered a huge faux pas in the theater industry, because if you say to someone, oh, I really liked the lighting, good job. You're not supposed to notice the lighting. Yeah. As soon as you notice the lighting, you're not in the story anymore. Right. So one of the things that's very important in theater is like trying to you don't add too much light. You don't add too much sound. Right. You just try to make it so that like you don't want to take people out. And uh, I think that's something as well that like, yeah, it, it, it threw me out to be like, oh, is someone working through something with this? And I totally sort of zoned out while I was reading it once I thought that. Yeah, the conversation did feel somewhat, I don't want to say unfinished, but it felt almost frazzled in that way of like someone not quite having a clear view on what they're trying to say. I I also think it would be more interesting to not have, it's very clear who the voice of reason is and who is the voice of like total mental annihilation. (laughs) There's one character in this who's just like, a, a just a, a psycho who's like all over the place and it's like women are the best I'm a Christian and it just like just snowballs and she explodes and it's very clear that um, Sienna is the voice of reason it'd be very interesting I think it'd be a better choice if they were both kind of voices of reason if you were able to make counterpoints that right because yeah. yeah it's very clear that like one of them is like making very thought out and logical counterpoints and the other one is just like shooting from the hip and just super emotional and speaking directly from their emotions be very interesting to have this same discussion but from two different people who are actually like no i do know what i'm talking about if she was like no i'm i'm not this is who i am and maybe i wasn't this person when i met you but i have people change as they grow you know and then you can have a real discussion back and forth between two humans instead of a human and an idea yeah because to have it to have have an argument in a narrative structure in a story you have to 
you I don't want to say that you have to have a specific point of view on which side wins, but you have to know why the the argument has to end in a certain way that you want to take a character forward. Uh, and I'm not saying that as the reader, I'm saying that as the, the writer, like two people get into an argument and somebody says something that they win the argument. And the reason, and because they win the argument, this character now has to take that in and go in a certain direction because of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whereas this, that frazzled feeling that's coming from the fact that like, you know, Sienna does seem like the voice of reason and Mathena, um, does seem much more like shooting from the hip, but nothing really like the fact that Sienna has all the points and then Mathena like just runs off, but it doesn't feel like Mathena like runs off because now this is the fact that she had this conversation is going to take her life in a different direction. Right. There's no change to either of the characters. There's no change. She walked in frazzled and upset. She walks out frazzled and upset. What makes a story arc is that conflict introduces itself to the characters and the characters grow because of the conflict. Right. Yeah. You know, the point of the argument, the point of having an argument in a scene is not to make a point. It's to point the characters in a certain direction and send them off in that direction. That's the point of doing it in a narrative structure. Other Otherwise and can, it might be that that happens in the second chapter. We may right. have put them in a different direction. Right. But with comics, each issue does need its like own mini arc. Exactly. I, that's the thing is like, I'd be interested to read chapter two. And I have a feeling, and it's just a feeling. I have a feeling if I were to read chapter two, my biggest suggestion would be take chapter one and chapter two and just make that one, one chapter. One comic, yeah. That is one long arc and then it's done. Yeah, yeah. Because um, right now this feels... It's compelling, but it does feel very unfinished and very like, right. I don't know what I just read or why I just read if it. I, if I read just this as a pilot, right. I probably wouldn't be interested in reading more. Yes. When I've looked up the author and we, I've seen that this is going to be like a superhero story and I've read all the interviews and stuff and I'm like, oh, this actually sounds really intriguing. Right. I don't get any of that. There has to be some some little juices of that, yes. some little threads of that in this chapter. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know that it's going there. There has to be something that leads me. You have to foreshadow a little bit of something. Right, a little bit, something. Yeah. Because right now I am like, oh, this world and these characters in a superhero story does intrigue me, and I am interested to, to read more. I do yeah. want to read more of this. How do you feel about the art? I was, see, I was going to ask you that in a second. Okay. The art is fucking majestic. Yeah. It's so good. It's I said really this good. Uh, when I assigned it two episodes ago. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's not a, that's not to say that, like, the art is significantly better than the writing. There are, this is another thing, actually. There are some, I don't want to go on too much of, I'm all over the place, but it also might need a proofreader. Like, find someone who's a proofreader. There's a couple typos in there, maybe three or four. But the art is gorgeous. Right. It reminds me of Fiona Staples, who we spoke yeah. about uh, when we were talking about Brian K. Vaughn. I could see that. And not in a... I could definitely see that. Like, in all the right ways, it reminds me of that. It doesn't remind me of her art in that it looks anything like her art. Right. But it does remind me of her art in that the details are so specific, and the colors are so specific, and every character is so uniquely different. Right. It's beautiful. There's nothing in the background. There's no character that is like fuzzied out because they're, if that makes any sense, like blurred out because the artist didn't feel like drawing the character. Right. Every character in the background has a specific look as well. Right. And interesting that the characters have insane physical transformations. 
but they're not so big that they don't look like the character anymore. Yes, I know exactly. Yes, I, that's actually something I, I was reading it and I was like, I think normally I would hate this, yeah. but I actually love this. Yeah, because the the art does. I mean, it changes so drastically. Almost to the point of like changing like genre, which I love actually. Yeah, I honestly don't know how a human person could do this. Yeah, I <laughs> like, was reading it's... this and I was like, like this one. Hold on, on the very end, that little that bad boy right there. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a two. I think that's a two page spread. Uh, yeah, it's a two spread. But then you compare. This it, is gonna be great for the podcast. Listen, get the Patreon. That's what I'm saying. But then you compare it to this, right? Yeah. And it's so different. Uh, it looks like two different artists did it. But again, not in a bad way, though. No, like, I love this. Not in a way that like you're confused or whatever. No, that's what I'm saying. Because a lot of times you'll be reading Marvel trade paperbacks and it's like, oh, they got a new artist, I guess, you know, right? because it's so different. But it actually it feels like in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, I talked about how like to change the dynamic of the, of the argument, to change the flow is to like change the setting and have them walk out, change the scene, everything. The one thing that does keep this going is that because of that every time you change the style in which you're drawing the character due to their emotion it does give it enough variety that I'm able to to keep going it doesn't become stagnant because you know you're literally watching the character physically grow or shrink with their emotions depending on how heightened they get right. how angry they get and things like that and it, it is fascinating to watch fascinating I don't know why I use that word so much but it it's it was really compelling to, to read that and to turn a page and go like oh now this character has grown because they're making such a, a an emotional argument and just you capture the tone again that last page of the book that looks like an oil canvas painting without words it perfectly captures also just to uh, help the artist out a little bit they do have a merch store if oh, you yeah? look at beckoning of a Aetherius merch where you can buy art from this book there's some panels in here i would consider buying including that last splash page yeah because it does fully capture without any words being used it captures the feeling of not just the emotion of the scene that's going on, but also just the environment. Like the, I could feel the raininess of the sidewalk, the smell. You know what I mean? I could feel that through the power of the art, which was really compelling to read. So that is an aspect of it that sets it apart from other things that I've read that I would definitely keep and encourage, like, keep doing that, keep using that. Because it's it's a something in your wheelhouse that isn't always employed in other things. So yeah, I am interested to see where this goes. I am too, actually. I do want to hear when part two comes out. I do want to know what happens in chapter two. And we, uh, we bought these, so we'll, listen, man, put it out and we'll buy it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be very interesting. All right. Anything else to say on it? No, I think that's it. I was going to say, whose turn is it for reading this? I gave you death of the family and then we we got this yeah i mean i gave you this but i i can give you something else or you can give me something whatever you prefer i'll tell you you give me something else because this was kind of a reading assignment for both of us great i'm giving you an anime i don't like the gleeful joy that you're getting from this i'm giving you a 26 episode show should take you about 11 or 12 hours to watch i would like you to try to do the whole thing i'll be the judge of that (laughs) just watch it on two times speed it's a show that uh, my sister got the first disc for me it was like the first five episodes i was 14 years old i watched it over and over and over again and slowly collected the rest of the discs and it was my favorite tv show for years maybe decades 
maybe a decade. You're going to make me watch Gundam, aren't you? <laughs> no. And then I tried to rewatch it recently and I was like, oh, this isn't very good. But they're making a live action TV show of it. Is this Cowboy Bebop? It is Cowboy Bebop. Ah, I was going to say it's not Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah. I do want to give you this. They're making, they just finished shooting the live action Cowboy Bebop starring John Cho. Is that who's in it? I think that's right. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be very good, but the show's great. I'm going to, I'll try to give you the movie also. They made a a, uh, animated feature film as well that's excellent and it uh, what streaming service is this on anything probably not i have it all digital i can send it to you okay i knew this was a long time coming that being said i am actually looking forward to this i'm also still looking on things i was gonna say if there's any way you could say that without sounding like you're not in the room oh wait did i find it (gasps) i think i found it where uh hulu oh do you have Hulu? Yeah. Can I have your account info? No. Because I had my exes, but I think she found out. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. Do you want a dub or sub? Oh, you know, it's a, that's an important question. Uh, and hopefully no one criticizes me for this too much. I go for dub. Okay. My sister who got me the show is like, are you kidding? Sub is the way to do it. I I think dub's the best. Stephen J. Bloom, who plays the English voice of Spike, is unparalleled he does like voiceover classes now and he's just he's the he has such a high uh repertoire such a uh mm-hmm. voluminous repertoire that he has like seven union names oh because he has to keep making new accounts wow it's insanity he goes by steve bloom steven bloom steven j bloom and if you look on his imdb page it's all different stuff because he's he has gotten to many points where he's not allowed to work anymore because he's done so much work he's the voice of uh nicholas d wolfwood in trigon he's one of the voices on samurai champloo he's the voice of tom and toonami and on and on and on and on. we were watching Korra, which is an Avatar spinoff. And in the first season, they introduced the villain, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's Stephen J. Bloom!" Like he has one of the most recognizable voices in voice acting, right? And uh, he's real good. Oh, they're twenty five minutes. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, it's a cartoon. I could do that. I don't know. You thought you could watch Steven Universe, and you still haven't fucking gotten through that yet. They're like twelve minute episodes. I I forgot I haven't watched Steven Universe. I actually did like Steven Universe. They're, they're like 12-minute episodes, but there's like 50 of them in a season or something. I know. Only in the first season. And they actually just started doing an anti-racist uh, web series campaign. I thought you were just going to say they started doing an anti-racist series. And I'm like, I don't even know what that consists of. All right. that I'm, look, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. I'm not going to lie. So that's going to be it. We got to get out of here because it is late and I got to apparently start this now. So we did it. We did it. We did a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You found it, right? Yeah, I found it. So we're good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Great. If anything goes wrong, then I'll contact you. Or I won't. We'll see. Who knows? Yay. Or I'll watch something else and say I watch Cowboy Bebop, but talk about the other thing like I watch Cowboy Bebop. Yay. All right. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Hey. Andrew? Yes. Uh, hey, Andrew? Yeah. Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and even iHeartist of Radios. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Twitter. 
where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. I run the Twitter. So if you want to yell at me, that's an easy way to do it. You can just DM me and say whatever you want. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. We're on Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break. I don't know where that came from, but if you want to give us money, you can go to Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break. There's cool benefits there as well. You can get some rewards for giving us money. You can watch the full unedited video of us recording these episodes and you get to see both of our sexy, sexy bodies and faces while we do it. You can also send us an email, an electronic mail, uh, which by uh, I'm not sure how to do it, but our address where you what you write on the envelope is themedialunchbreak at gmail.com you can also go to our website which is www.themedialunchbreak.com we have a fucking website isn't that incredible and it's not a geocities tag it's a real website is it squarespace no oh well then what kind of reputable podcaster doesn't use squarespace um we don't use a hosting site we host it we built this using coding. We built this using coding on rock and roll? Don't know what that means. Get it? Because it's a song title? You don't know. It's before your time. Oh, we built this city yeah, on rock and roll. Did? Didn't work as a joke, though. It's not good. The, but we... No, <laughs> Melinda coded. She, like, wrote out the code for the website. Is your fiancé a spy? And then used HTML and JavaScript to, like, put a website into cyberspace. I feel like this is all illegal. It's just, She did offer me some cocaine. And she didn't offer me some. I know. How dare she? I offered you some earlier and you turned me down. I don't want the cocaine. I want the offer. Well, I gave you the offer. Thank you. I know. I made you an offer you couldn't refuse. And yet I did. Yeah. But thank you for the offer. It's kind of incredible. Oh, I'm not done. You can oh, also geez. rate us and review oh, yeah, us. We should do that. On iTunes and SoundCloud, YouTube, maybe Spotify. Still haven't looked it up yet. Will I? Nope. Okay. I was asking you, Chris, so thank you for answering. Yep. And a special thank you to our dearest friend, Julie. Thank you, Julie. You're the best. And so are the rest of you. We love all of you equally, but Julie, a little bit more. Yeah. There's a great line from Animal Farm where they make these amendments to their constitution. And one of them, one of the things was everyone is equal. And the amendment is everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others. And that's Julie. And so I feel that way that's about Julie. Julie. Yeah. We love everybody equally, but some are more equal, equal than, than others. others. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Julie. All right. Well, that's it. Next week, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. It's the news episode. It hasn't happened yet. So stop asking me, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry. You could hear that? Yeah, I know. I can hear everything. What am I thinking? Pie. I wasn't. I was thinking I'm treble. But you're thinking. But you fucked up. But you're thinking about pie right now, aren't you? I am. How did you know? I know, right? It's a gift. Yeah, it's amazing. That's incredible. You should take this trip on the road. You could call it crossing over with John Edwards. Wow, that's a reference. <laughs> Holy shit. I was just talking to Melinda about that. That like, Whatever happened to that guy? Is he dead? He died. And now he's a ghost. Wait, did he really? I just figured I was making that up that he had died. He died? I don't think he died. Oh. <laughs> but he's in the room right now and he would like to talk to you. Well, what's up? Does the word windmills mean anything to anyone? <laughs> I, I have a ghost here. He's saying windmills. It's very important. Oh, he is dead. That's not true. No, he's not dead. Yeah, of course not. He's rich. <laughs> he's not dead at 50 or whatever he is. I was just talking to Melinda about that, that like, it's amazing how he convinced the entire world 
that he could put a thousand people in a room, say, does February mean anything to anyone? Someone would stand up and say, that's my dead husband's birthday. And people were like, oh my God, how did he know? Well, because he's a psychic. Right. Right. I don't understand how you're not getting this, Andrew. Go do more cocaine, Chris. <laughs> okay. All right, that's it, everybody. There wasn't a thing. Now there's a thing, and we did a thing, and you should go do things, too. All right. Uh, cocaine just wore off. Bye, everybody. That was weird. That was a weird <laughs> sound to end the show on. But I like it. It's probably not the weirdest sound we've ended the show on. Definitely not the weirdest sound we've ended the show on. I definitely farted loud enough for the mic to pick it up earlier. I don't know if I'm going to leave it in or not. It's hard to believe we have two degrees.